On today's episode eight, I am thrilled to be speaking with Elias Cairo, head saloonist and founder of Olympia Provisions based in Portland, Oregon. As a first generation Greek American, Elias grew up with a father who cooked, gardened and made charcuterie at home. Doing things the old fashioned way was just how things were done. Later, Elias would find himself in Europe, in the kitchens of the masters, and it was there and in the village markets of those mountain towns that he truly fell in love with the traditional old-world methods for preserving meat. After five years in Switzerland and having completed a chef apprenticeship, Elias returned to the States with a newfound commitment to his craft and a deep desire to bring these nearly extinct techniques to American-made charcuterie. In 2009, Olympia Provisions became Oregon's first USDA-approved Salumeria and is now the most awarded charcuterie company in America. Elias, so nice to see you. Thank you for joining today. Yes, so great to see you. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked. We're going to have fun and talk about stuff. You know, I have so much to talk to you about because, you know, you are always so busy and you are always doing so much stuff. And yet you still seem to have like the most epic Pacific Northwest dream lifestyle. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> it's uh, it's so freaking fun is how I do it. <laughs> you know, I feel, I feel like you are single handedly responsible for a whole slew of like men and women who like move to Oregon, who basically like want to be you and live your lifestyle, you know, because it's like you do it all. You make charcuterie, you make stuff, you garden, you hunt, you fish. I mean, what what what, what does what can the man not do? Uh, I don't know. Sleep apparently. You know I mean, <laughs> do it all. Yeah, no. It's it, I, I'm a huge Northwest fan, and I think it attracts people like me, like you, you know, that are motivated and love being here. And like, there's so much opportunity for food and good times and nature and work and everything. And it's infectious up here. But you didn't always live here. I mean, you were born in Utah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Did born and raised in Utah, but you know, then I did my apprenticeship and Michelle moved up here, my beloved sister. Mm -hmm. And she was like, Oregon is the greatest place. And I was totally not convinced. I was like, yeah, right. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it can't be that rad. And by the time I got here, went to the farmer's market, went to the beach, saw Mount Hood. I was like, oh Lord, this place is amazing. And it's just, that's, it's true. <laughs> that's what people do in Oregon. Like as soon as they get here, they become these prophets and they must tell everybody how amazing it is. And yeah. You know, I'm the same way. Like I can't help but uh, talk about yeah. how great it is. And you, your, your family, your first generation, right? Your, your yeah. family's from Greece, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, my dad moved to Utah because I always like this because somebody <laughs> told like, him it's just, it looks the same, right? The Literally, landscape, you know. Yeah, they told him that it's like very similar to Greece, and I'm always I've always laughed. Like I'm like right. I've been many places both times, and I just I get some of the similarities, but not. No, not really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not well, you know, I, I only know two Greek families, your mm -hmm. family and a friend of mine, Angela Rickus, who lives in D.C. And both your families are like the best. The oh, great. Most, the most generous, fun loving, like feed you, feed you, feed you, take yeah. care of you kind of families. So, yeah. I mean, I have a real affection for for, you know, Greek family. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's honestly just dawned on me really recently, I'm not kidding you, like in the last six months maybe, that every family doesn't wake up and think from sunup to sundown what they're going to eat. 
<laughs> or like what we're good at like how how your day revolves around around what, the meals, right? Yeah, around the like meals. This yeah, like what what do we have and what are we growing and what are we going to eat and then where are we going to go share it with and what time is the family going to be here? Right. When I was, I, it was actually around Jess's family, amazing family, Northwestern, but I felt so weird like waking up in the morning being like, so what's the game plan? And then being like, well, we'll, we'll figure out dinner later. And I'm like, I'm going to need a little direction here. <laughs> I know. I got to prepare. I get, you know, I got to mentally. I know. And I love that. I love that about, well, food people in general, right? right. Yeah, absolutely. It's a preoccupation, not just really what you're going to eat, but, you know, like, like you said, like you're growing things, you're thinking about things months in advance, you know, like what you want to have the summer and, you know, check out these new, oh, by the way, how does your garden grow? Because you have the most epic garden yeah. You know, and and on top of that, like what is the city's smallest uh, amazing vineyard on your property too? Yeah, exactly. No, it's it, we we pinch ourselves every time we walk into our backyard that we found the spot. And you know, we've been guard. I've been gardening since I've been a kid, and the grapes. My father made wine, and we've it's been around me my whole life. But I don't know if anything I've ever gardened, be it in Europe or Utah or here, things in the Willamette Valley, and they just really want to grow. Like it makes you look like the greatest gardener in the entire world. And all you're really doing is like get the basics down and the want to do it. And it's, (laughs) but yeah, I'm in awe because I can't garden. I I don't, I I don't really have the, um, I don't know that, that green thumb or anything like that. But I, I feel like the people who don't garden, you just need to find a buddy who gardens, like somebody in your family, all my family garden. So I'm good. Like I'm, you know, yeah. Every time they come over, they bring a basket of this. And for my friends, like I, I'm the um, the person who's super appreciative to get like whatever they have, because, you know, once something starts to come into harvest, like they they almost have too much of it and they're trying yeah. to give it away. Right. It's so true. And not to mention, you're a great cook and you make amazing food. Oh, and so you. you're the right people to have as friends because, you know, I got to go over to Judy Ann's house and bring epic strawberries and she's going to make something right. amazing. And so well, it's. It's fun because since I didn't um, grow it, like it's not, I don't have this, I don't grow tired of anything. Right, so right. I just get exactly like what they bring me. And then I'm so appreciative. Um, I think, you know, I think for a gardener or for a cook or anybody like you as a maker, like to see somebody enjoy the fruits of your labor so, is so rewarding, right? That will never get old. Like <laughs> I've, I've, I couldn't even tell you how many times I've stood and watched people try salamis or pâtés <laughs> or frankfurters or hot dogs, and I still a get nervous always if somebody has that oh, look. Really? Of, of a if like maybe it's not the most delicious thing, and you know, I mean, it could be the most award-winning thing, and it's still like very dear to me that it has to make people happy and enjoy it and it's never gets old how many times have i heard uh, like anybody i don't care what your walk of life if it's a six-year-old person kids it's like this is the greatest hot dog i've ever had is or if it's you know an old french gal at the farmer's market that's like this is just like home i get just as excited as ever i mean that's great in the beginning, it was way more of a relief excited because I was like, I'm making really weird products. Are people going to eat this in America? You know, fermented traditional salamis with mold. And my, <laughs> there was right. investing all my beloved sister's money into this idea. <laughs> so it's a little bit more, a little more calm about it. But yeah, it's still so rewarding. 
Well, let's talk about how, because you are, you are by nature, like super modest, you know, I know you never brag. So let me brag about you for a little bit. Okay. So Olympia for Visions and full disclosure, I did work with you guys for a while. The glory year. The glory year. I love the products and I've, you know, known about you guys for like when I first came to Portland, when I came back to Portland, I grew up here, obviously. But when I came back, like I think when I think of like quintessential Oregon brands like Olympia Provisions is top of the list because you guys embody the spirit of not just the product, but like the spirit of Oregonians. Like we we are good to our people. We are good to our our land, good to the animals. We we produce high quality handmade, you know, like everything that you want, like the all the the things that you tick off when you think about how great Oregon is and such a great story to tell people. This is this is, again, my pitch to get people to move here. Like you can eat at Provisions restaurants and you can meet Eli. You can, he's like out and about around town. Like you can, you know, they're at least like, yes, a mythical figure, but you can still meet the guy, you know? And Um, how many awards, how many, like the good food awards is like for people who don't know, it's like the Academy Awards of fancy foods, like any kind of specialty, like the good food, right? That's why they call it the good food awards. How many? I think we're at 17. I know, I know we're we're tied as the name. Because it's in the upper, you you love, you want so many that you can't remember the pressure is on like now i go i only got two finalists last year two out of three which i think is very challenging and michelle looked at me and being like only two and was like, gave me a look and i'm like michelle no for context for context people like usually a company if they win one good food award in their history of their company it's amazing and they like they they put it that bad they put the badge on everything it's like good food award winner you know they put they make a big friggin' deal about one award. Yeah. And then you guys win them all the time. 17, at least 17 that you can remember, right? Yeah, it's, it's it, we're for everything. And, and honestly, like to go back what you were saying, how we embody um, Oregon and Portland, and we are that. And in the same sense, like Oregon, it, I wouldn't be, Olympia Provisions would just be another company but it's Portland that supports those companies. It's death by trial if you try to be smoke and mirrors in this town. And I love that. Like, you know, like right. you have to be genuine. Or- the motion detector is very high in Portland. They, they love what they love and they will tell you if they don't like something. Absolutely. Even, I mean, at a new seasons, a Zupins, like those grocers, like if you roll in there and you're selling a story and it doesn't live up and taste amazing, like they're amazingly nice. You know, it's arguably their slogan, the nicest store in town, but right. they cut you alive if the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they're super polite but they'll be like no <laughs> exactly better said yeah and it, all of portland's that way but if you're a genuinely hardworking, have the right you know things that you value the land the quality the supporting the people the good town vibes the, the town rallies around you and we've seen that from the second i moved here you know it's you, i'm fortunate enough with the company to travel along to a, a lot of food cities and do a lot of selling and go into a lot of k- kitchens and the vibe isn't supporting like you know I can walk into any kitchen here and I at least hope that Gabe Rucker that I've known forever is going to say positive things about <laughs> what we've done here and the Naomi Pomeroy's and the Kathy Wins and the Kevin Gibson's everybody. We've had this wheel of support of like, yeah, if you're, if it's, if you're trying your hardest and you're supporting the right farmers and the people you get, kudos in other cities it seems like they're all against each other sometimes. Like you walk into a kitchen, like I just came from X restaurant and they're just like, yeah, F that guy. You know, like, like, what did he do? He's up. But anyways, yeah, we're very nice here. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and 
nice because they appreciate it. Like they, I don't know how many chefs I talk to, you know, when your name comes up, it's like they get starry eyed. It's like this bromance thing happening, you know? I think the romance too, but the, certainly all the dudes are um, huge fans of yours. Uh, Mike, Mike Gregor here at the house loves you and just thinks you're amazing. Oh, and he, so Well, he's an amazing man himself and human being. He's always doing and building cool stuff and an amazing, talented person, a great dad, awesome husband. Yeah. He's very similar in that he he likes to do things the hardest way possible. He it's absolutely just, does. No shortcuts. I mean, it drives me crazy sometimes because I'm like, come on, let's just get it done already. But like, he's like you, like he just he is like, no, no. Part of the joy is the process, right? Yeah. And if it takes a long time, it takes a long time. You know, like I, I've, I've, I've had the privilege to be in your, um, to tour your plant. And, you know, usually people think, okay, you're going to tour like a meat plant, you know, like see the, how the sausage is made. Like that seems kind of scary. Like you wouldn't want people to see how it's made because it might be a little, might turn them off, you know, that would, you would think, but I was so impressed by how clean, how organized, how like pristine and the, the amount of care that went into the making of your products. Can you tell um, us a little about, for the people who don't know, like a little bit about your process? Yeah, you know, it's when you think of like uh, production manufacturing, you get this almost like sterile feel to it. And when I, you know, fortunately enough, coming from Europe, I never really had to live in that world. It was like, it's still a beautiful kitchen. You're still creating amazing food. And it can be done in this very organized, Swiss cleanliness, uh, process focused. But at the end of the day, you're still producing beautiful food. And I always invite anybody that's in town to come see this place because it's gorgeous. You know, we're, we're butchering beautiful meat. We're smoking, you know, huge smokehouses full of real smoke, picking real herbs and garlic and making beautiful brines. And we're fermenting, you know, 30,000 pounds of meat at a day and drying, you know, 70,000. It's just this amazing thing of producing food. And it does have to be organized and clean because of that's the standard. But at the end of the day, if you walk in there and it's like this lively kitchen that you want to be in, oh, then it's, then you've really won. And that's rare. It's hard to do. And, you know, I'm very fortunate because Josh and Paul are my original employees and they've been here since day one. And we've always mm -hmm. valued that. It's not a, it's, we're not just producing a widget. We're producing a delicious food product, you know, and it's, it's, it's They're so great. You can ask them any questions. They're so happy to share it. And I was so like, there, there's a room where it's like, it's looks like, a, I mean, it feels like a kitchen because you'll see a board of what you're making that day. Right. Mm -hmm. And they'll say like the recipe, like what you need, you know, in order to make it. And it's like the quantities are manageable. They're not like kind of the things that you would uh, imagine for like a production, you know, for a, people think of Olympia Parisian made in giant factory, that kind of thing. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. Like, and then you see, very unusual, I think, in your industry, yeah. all these fresh herbs, exactly. fresh garlic, like whole spices that they're grinding, chopping, you know, picking just for that day, whatever they're making, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's every old timer that comes into my from the meat world that comes into my plant instantly stops and is always like, I could save you so much money. And I'm like, oh, you might be missing, you know, the USDA, they're right. in my plant every single day and they tour every meat plant in Oregon. And they always are just like, man, this one beats at a different pace. We have the same standard as everyone else, but our, you know, the way we get to that standard is different. We, you know, we've 
we always have said if I could produce it better, and it's so easy to say this, I would. And it's mm-hmm. like every day, I remember stepping out of the kitchen world where I was just completely committed to manufacturing. And I'm like, it's going to be so much easier because the variables are not going to change. Right. right. You're, to, you know, the kitchen, it changes every hour, every minute. There's always another ball. And I was like in my mind picturing, oh, I'm going to produce saucis on sec. But it, it comes to find out that repeating a process exactly precise every single time in itself is an ever-evolving ball and it, it's just an amazing process i don't know how to say i'm so lucky that yeah. i get to do it but yeah and if you've ever been in the uh salami sauna whatever um that's an experience <laughs> yeah that's real flavor right there you know there's there's certain things that you just can't repeat oh, and- this is steamy goodness like you cut you go in and the it smells great by the way it yeah. smells great and you're like all your glasses fog up <laughs> yeah, slow ferment you know fermentation is such an unbelievable flavor and mm-hmm. it's it's something you can't buy in a package it's something you can't really replicate without going through the process and it's those you know it i often say it for sourdough bread everybody can relate to that there's only one way to really make delicious sour bread and that's to ferment it and make it up sour and have that beautiful tang and in that process it's kind of a magical flavor it's not just like searing or drying or salting or peppering it's a whole nother process of flavor that adds a layer that you can't replicate unless you do it so yeah, yeah that, that age is the age is like the secret ingredient and not rushing it too it's letting it do it naturally and i mean yeah. i think about i actually once i sent somebody a salami with like no explanation you know and um she was kind of embarrassed but she told me that she threw it away because she it was all moldy oh yeah <laughs> and i told her i said what <laughs> that is supposed to be that way that's house flora and yeah. i you know I, once I explained it to her and then she felt so like you know like um like uh like she felt so bad, not because she, you know, but she felt so bad because she missed out. She missed out on it. And then she, she ran to the Murray's cheese shop and bought, bought it. After I told her the story, she felt like she missed out on this most amazing treat that she wanted to try. Totally. Yeah. No, and that's definitely been the plight of my bit. You know, in America, there's definitely a perception of value added meat as like a low budget shelf stable product that's just supposed to fill a void of sandwich and deli meat and mm-hmm. i've you just have never had that experience to me it's supposed to be this most delicious live active thing and so you know we were definitely the first people that shipped live active molds across this you know from to new york city on a weekly basis and we started explaining to people that salami mold should be real you know still to this day i was fortunate enough yesterday to host like the cheesemongers international with like the greatest cheesemongers in america and it's always so good to tell people and refreshing to be like the 90 percent of the mold you're seeing on these outside of these packages is rice flour and milk powder and it's smoke and mirrors a real life product needs to be handled like a you know a bloomy rind cheese and kept in refrigeration and et cetera et cetera and it's just you know that's the that's the slow process that we're fighting and it's fun to see and i it will it will probably never win it in this lifetime but it's definitely working people are realizing the cheese people get it you know they get it because they you know that cheese is coveted and that's you know for, for all the fine cheeses and stuff like that and i think people are you know they're getting there it's you know slowly educating you do a lot of education um when you're talking about the salami so people understand what they're what they're getting and i think and it gives people an appreciation for sure you know 
and the you know the cheesemongers in America are light years ahead in the last fifteen years. You know, like they have done so much in America. Like Murray's in a Kroger store is just an amazing step just to show where America's coming with artisan foods. I mean, you can go to a Kroger and get some of the most sought after Bloomy Rhine cheeses where mm-hmm. 15 years ago, you know, you had to go to Murray's in the right. you know, in Greenwich Village to get some of these cheeses and now they're readily available. And so it's making my job a lot easier <laughs> because people are understanding molds and artisan. Right. Uh, well, I mean, I tell people, um, you know, Eli's changing the world. Yeah, you know, oh. let's just say that he's changing the world. He's changing the way meat is produced in this country. Oh. Not only is he just making like, you know, epic salamis and meats and things like that, but like he really is. And so and I know you don't talk about it all the time, but really Olympia Provisions is they're more than just a, a meat company. They really are kind of changing the how how meat is produced in this country. I know you were we were talking before how pork was, you know, it used to be that pork was raised quite a bit in Oregon and then it kind of phased out and they all went south and you know and talk about how you're trying to bring back um yeah. pork and of course, yeah, totally. You know, the meat industry everybody needs to just recognize in America is so horrible. And that and, and as somebody that deals in it, we should realize that. And that's the first hard conversation is right. that it's shocking to hear you say that but i mean I, I for you i understand why you're saying that but i it might be surprising f- for people to hear that this is what you do and you're, you're saying the meat industry is you know is horrible. yeah the you know the mass production of animals in america is bad and the way we're approaching it needs to change and it, as olympia provisions we have that unique opportunity to change it and show that it is possible you know having pigs in confinement meaning, you know, grown on slatted floors where they're mass produced and never have the opportunity to live a full life is absolutely wrong. It, it, you have to use antibiotics, you have to ha- harm the animals, you have to put them on slatted floors so they create these huge environmental pitfalls. And then they've centralized all of it to the Midwest. And so that is just a horrible start. Ever since the beginning of us, we've tried to figure out how in the world can we justify bringing pigs back to land to small family farms here in Oregon. And it's, you know, for to make an actual impact ever since this, we've had to scale to a good size that actually have impact. And then we could show the nation that it is possible to run a, a business, not go out of business and uh, have pigs on pasture that are from small family farms. And it's taken me a very, very long time to figure out this very complex question. It's so easy to say. Mm-hmm. I want pasture-raised organic pig or pork, but mm-hmm. people don't understand. Ninety-eight point six of all pigs grown in America are done in confinement without any regulation until slaughter. And so, if everybody wow. isn't that just a shocking metric? So yeah. to 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 bring that other you know three percent up, it's going to take an actual change and a change in the way we're looking at it. And just to even have that conversation is is quite right. remarkable. But yes, you're absolutely right. In Oregon, um, 20 years ago, uh, we had something around the tune of 45,000 annual hogs that were that were killed, raised, killed, and slaughtered in Oregon. As of last year, we had something to the tune of 3,500 that were raised and killed in Oregon. Um, Olympia provisions has far exceeded that amount, and so in the last five years now we've been able to contract farmers and um, start working through the local kill facilities and gap and the whole foods and burgerville and all these other partners that we're creating to create our own network of actually properly raised pigs 
and Mm -hmm. having zero waste the entire time. And that seems like it's how it should always be. And I fully agree with that. But I want people to recognize that that's just not how it works in America. Right. It's very rare that have a company try to do this because. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it takes a village and it takes so many different. It's a very complicated um, problem to solve, but you got to start someplace. And I'm so proud of you guys for doing that. Thank you. Yeah, you, uh, dog treats. When you guys launched the dog treats, you know, some people were like scratching their heads like, why dog treats? You know, you guys make this, uh, you know, like it's going to get confusing. People will be eating the salami and they'll be eating the dog treats. <laughs> I was yeah. like, no, no, don't worry. People, people will not be confusing the two. But you uh, approach this from a point of sustainability, for sure. Like you want to tell people about a little bit about that? Because I think yeah, it's Exactly. Product. You know, traditionally in the pork industry, the buck always gets pushed, pushed back to the farmer, right? At some point, they're just like, I can't pay. You know, the market um, drives the price that we can afford, the end consumer. And so if I go to the, I don't care, I honestly sell Olympia provisions in the most affluent neighborhoods in America, be it Brooklyn to Berkeley to Hollywood, you name it, it sells there. There's a limit to what people can pay for it. So I can tell the most beautiful story and they're still gonna buck bound at price. And traditionally what happens is that it comes to the producer, I can't sell it, then I would go to the farmer and say, hey, you guys have to change your practices, so on and so forth. We looked at it as like, hey, what is happening? What can we control in our process to not have to raise prices for the farmer and still say, and it's kind of a very obvious answer. It would be removing all waste from the process. And so by utilizing every single piece of the pig, what does that do to the overall price? Thus, the reason of the pet tree. Taking every one of these byproducts, adding a value to it, making a delicious product that we stand upon, be it for pets, um, and then selling it. It's, so it's, it's, it's responsible in every which way of that, and that, that allows us to not have to negotiate with the farmers on their prices. They're able to focus, charge um, appropriately for what it costs to do it the right way, responsible feed, more employees to have pigs on pasture, higher kill, kill costs because we don't have the infrastructure here. And with us being responsible producers, getting removing uh, waste from the process, the conversation has completely changed. And thus, it seems more sustainable than just saying, hey, mm-hmm. in your process, my friends. And it's been received really, really well, which is just exciting. And you're absolutely right. Initially, it was very scary to see, like, how am I going to have this conversation with people? And then we decided, you know, it's true. People do need to realize there's a difference in just producing salami and charcuterie and taking the cuts that you want to cut, but being able to utilize the whole animal and do it the right way. Now, that's that's just a different story. (laughs) I mean, it really is like the philosophy of somebody who is making charcuterie, though. You're supposed to use the whole animal, utilize the the animal in as much way as possible. And certainly there are things that, you know, traditionally don't make it in like products that humans would eat, like, for example, like, I think the bone, right, you know, but you had to buy special equipment so you could, what, crush bone? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, the the definition of a charcuterie maker is, you know, honestly utilizing all of the byproducts you can't sell to make the most decadent, delicious treats that we could stand up right next to, uh, you know, a pork chop. You know, that is honestly what we're so good at is providing value to byproducts that are. And yeah, so to make it happen, it (laughs) It wasn't as easy as like, yeah, make a Petri. Naively, like I tend to always be, I'm like, oh, this will be so easy. I just got to make a Petri. No, it's like like three it's years. Yeah, three years. 
three years and I still struggle on how how do I grind bones? How do I take skin? How do I take all of these ovals and create a mass that is, you know, safe to consume, fermentable, shelf stable, can hit all of these prerequisites that we have? And what is the cost to do it? But yeah, you're right. We had to buy a 50 horsepower, 50 amp custom made grinder that is a beast of a machine <laughs> that can grind yeah. everything. And, All know. done. My dog approves. Gravy loves the Petri. She, <laughs> yeah. like, her eyes just get so big when she sees them because she thinks she's getting like a human treat. Yeah. You know? like, she's, yeah. she's eating lots of dog treats, dog biscuits, whatever, mm-hmm. but she gets a, you know, Olympia Professions dog treat and she knows the difference. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, it's the best. Um, what, what would I say? Quality control group. I've ever got a taste. They're so thankful. Always the dogs are just like, you know, I, I, I often have to have people try my saucy son sec and hear the nuances. Dogs, it's just like the matter of like, yeah, they just <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. and then you, I heard that you're making a single origin salami. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So that's, so we, we, we launched with our farmers network. So that's the farmers that we contract out that we buy every one of the pigs that they raise and they're under gap four certification, which means they're raised to the highest standard of pasture raised pork and verified by an auditor every 18 months. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it is a very interesting conversation and in the, in, to, to get people thinking about it, that there is different nuances in salami between farmer and region, et cetera. Very similar to coffee, to chocolate, to uh, mm-hmm. dairies on down, that we're seeing gigantic nuances between Malheur River Ranch to Deck Family Farms to Hangbelly Farms. These ranchers are doing such an amazing job raising these beautiful pigs. And now we're just adding sea salt to them, fermenting them, covering them, molding them, or putting them side by side. And we're seeing people's eyes like just die, being like, we're not doing anything different except the way that these pigs are fed and the environments in which they're raised. And the nuances are just amazing and it you know I, I often i often get in my head as you know paulie and I, josh and i we get in our heads about yeah we can taste the difference we must be crazy but this is our world and then when we do a blind tasting with group of people that don't even necessarily live in the food world and watch them easily taste the nuances and the textures and the differences it's been so rewarding to see so yes we are doing single origin farm specific salamis um so we're we making figure. something super hard, but putting so much love and energy to it to get a perfect product. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. We, we, there's at some point there's only so many things you can do to improve your product without absolutely diving into the from serving <laughs> it to killing it because that's what we do. But all we of that stuff. I feel like every time I you know look at your website, there's always a new product out. I mean, I think. And you don't like make up stuff like you're making, you know, old world salamis and old world sausages. These are things that exist in other countries and you're just doing your variation of it. But I mean, will you ever run out of uh, ideas? Well, that's exactly it. I've, you know, I always say I never have a a genuine creative bone in my body just because I'm so fascinated by traditional products. Products that have stood hundreds of years of tradition and taste of certain regions and small little villages throughout Europe and wherever, wherever meat is preserved. I'm just fascinated by those. And I honestly know I will never run out of ideas. If, if they, if we were to ever have the uh, amazing ability to continue growing my excuse, if you were my product offering, right. I can create a hundred a week. There's so many cool little variations that are out in every one of these regions that I could dive into and I want to produce, but 
apparently that's not a good business model. You got to be uh, <laughs> strategic. You know, <laughs> well, you guys are, you know, you're so tr- strategic. Well, you have Michelle, you know, who's Michelle's your sister. She's, you know, she's amazing. And um, she keeps you on track, right? <laughs> exactly. Michelle Cairo is officially Olympia Provisions Parachute. She is, right. uh, you know, like we, as we're falling in the wrong direction, she is so smart and so good at what she does that she's able to pull the parachute and be like, man, you guys stay the course. And that is not an easy job when you're surrounded by a million passion people that just want to create restaurants and beautiful experiences and amazing products and live this amazing dreamy world of eating with food that has to stay in business right. without taking outside investors. And she's burdened with that job of how in the heck do you, yeah. how do you allow us to create and make amazing experiences, but not go out of business? <laughs> and she understands you because she, I mean, the Olympia Provisions is kind of known for having fun. I mean, they take the product very seriously, but you guys have fun with your products, which I always love. I mean, you guys have a salami bouquet, for goodness sake, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and we do. We, we can't take ourselves too serious. You know, that's just not in our not in our DNA. And it's, yeah, always it's have a fun. fun world. You know, I often say this, the food, the, it's been in me forever, like, we're fortunate enough to make food and that's that we're not creating brain surgery we're not we're not we're, we're we're not in hospital saving kids it's it's a fun job and we're lucky enough to be able to do this for a living and so if you take yourself too serious at the end of the day i mean we're just making delicious moments for people to enjoy so yeah. it can't be that serious uh, my children are ruined because they cannot eat any other hot dog in the world except Olympia Provisions Frankfurters. Like they just they won't eat anything else. We go, we go places. There's other hot dogs. And the thing is, like you know, I think that they don't like hot dogs. They actually love hot dogs, but they only like Olympia Provisions hot dogs. And they're so just yeah. because you know they're the footlongs, you know. So they'll yeah, right. see it like you know twelve feet away. They'll be like, I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. there must be. There's like one product that is you know that pretty much embodies what I mean by food. Should, or cured meats and charcuterie is been made for just to fill the void of what it should be. But there's no more evident than a casingless fake smoked yes. hot dog compared to an Olympia Provisions Frankfurter with real smoke and real casings. That's I don't think I've ever heard them actually articulate what it is, but it, it is that um, natural casing because they don't they don't like the texture of um, other hot dogs. They like the snap. They like yeah. the snap of the OP dog, you know? Yeah. Well, they got great parents that bring them amazing food and they have amazing palates. That's awesome. Well, great work. I want them to eat it and I feel good about it because, you know, you never know what's in a hot dog. So Very <laughs> true. Right? So very, I know very very good yes so what are you cooking like what did you cook last or what did you eat last what'd you cook like i know you you cook oh my god this is my garden this is where it goes absolutely bananas (laughs) like it this time of year jess and i wait honestly for we make these beautiful salad mistas every single night and you know you walk into our garden right now and it's every one of those beautiful greens that you could imagine Mm -hmm. and then you can pick five carrots pick four radishes have peas have fava so on and then you just dress it with our oregano and red wine vinegar and it's honestly why we garden i mean there's so many other beautiful things that come out right now fava beans and peas and those things but those salads every single night i like race to get home it's insane yeah. I them I mean, so, so hard. good for you so good for you so flavorful and you really you don't have to do much to them when they're when they're that great i saw you pulling up some huge broccoli and yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, 
Oriketti. I mean, yesterday or the day before, we did the cauliflower and oriketti, and then the big, beautiful salat mistas. We grow uh-huh. all of our dried beans, and tonight we were having uh, gigantus beans, the Greek ones. Yeah. Dried corona beans, I think you are. And uh, mm-hmm. we braised the turnip greens and pulled that in, and we're uh, having elk steak, of course, because oh, that's okay. how. Nice. How <laughs> Was this an elk that you caught? Yeah, it's my last year's archery bull that I shot. Nice. It's the best. It's wow. really, you know, sometimes, and Jess makes wine, as you know. Uh-huh. And sometimes we, if there's more Portlandia moments when you're drinking a bottle <laughs> of your own, <laughs> own homemade wine, every vegetable you grew and animals that you shot with a bow were like, boy, this right. is Right. <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about. This is this is the this is the Portlandia dream here, but it's it's true. It li- it lives in your household. And yeah, you have- is it two dogs, three dogs? I can't two remember. Dogs. We got leather and that are my dogs, but yeah, we get a hunt nonstop with them, and it, yeah, that's a super fun experience. When the dogs get to help get dinner, and everything else is made in the house, and the dogs participated, that's a pretty special. Yeah, it's like <laughs> a whole family affair, and I feel like even they do. Like even your even your hunting and fishing, and you you seem to do it the hard way too. Like you go. <laughs> fly fishing and bow hunting all these things like you could you could get that game much faster and much easier you know it's i've I've been cursed with nature has been my medicine of staying sane forever and so the more time i get to spend out in nature uh, Mm -hmm. i just am able to work harder i come back more refreshed and so the more difficult ways out there are the more excuse for time i get to be out there (laughs) yeah good for you I chose archery because the season is, you know, a month long or a month and a half long. And then fly fishing, I don't want to rush back after I catch my limit. I want to be out there forever. Training the dogs is a year-round project in nature. It's it's pretty fun. So, yeah, I just love being out there. It's the greatest. My dad used to do archery um, hunting, and he yeah. would uh, never catch anything, really. But that he didn't mind at all. It was fun for him to be out there. And it was almost like uh, observing nature, but in camo, the gear. <laughs> exactly right it's like it's playing gi joe back when you're a kid and it just slows you down and it's 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 so addicting it's a change i get to step out of reality and Mm -hmm. all of the craziness of distributing meat across the nation and running for restaurants and so on and so forth and i just get to go try to track down really delicious animals in forest (laughs) yeah and the, the restaurants too the restaurants are doing great and you have a new um you have a new like food carts uh, activation going on or just yeah. started, right? I'm, and so, I'm so excited about uh, the food that we're going to do out of there starting tomorrow or Friday. Excuse me. It started today, but it's, I mean, uh-huh. we, we could eat there on Friday is uh-huh. the actual opening is. What's but on we, the menu? We went down, the, you know, how I, as we said, I'm like just obsessed with traditional food and Mm -hmm. we went down this rabbit hole of like what are the most traditional italian sandwiches and Uh if you could walk up to um, a cart in the middle of i don't know say on lake lugano you know Uh in the middle of a random not necessarily a tourist town what's the sandwiches that you would get and then Mm -hmm. we we went down the biggest instagram rabbit hole which is so (laughs) rad that you can do this now like you google translate and go into these little villages and see our sandwiches and be like created it overnight of like how great of these like delicious sandwiches they are and eric joppy is an amazing adapter and like just started having so much fun and then yes the cone ideas were is it just been 
we, we went up, there's this amazing place that we found that made all of their charcuterie into potato chips. Not, they didn't make, excuse me, they didn't make salami potato chips, but when you bought salami there, they would give you a cone of potato chips with a bunch of their salami on top of it. And of course we had to try it that because we were a, a meat company and, uh, and then Eric got on this tangent about arancini stuffed with mortadella that is just amazing. Yeah. And then fried fried fishes and bones <laughs> with more charcuterie. It's just going to be fun. Eric Joppy is so fun to cook with. But oh, yeah. yeah. Eric Joppy is your executive chef. Great guy. Great salt of the earth and really fun. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward. I'm going to go next week. I'm going camping on Friday, so I can't go. But um, I'm looking forward to checking it out for sure. <laughs> Please tell me what you think. Get the, the get the, the uh, took the Italian sausage and we saw a place and they breaded it and fried it and covered it in tomato and mozzarella. And it's uh -huh. like, oh my Lord, it's just a crunchy, delicious sausage on a bun. With tomato sauce, it's really, really delicious. Oh, that's that sounds really great. I'm looking forward to it. Everything you guys make is always so good. Oh, I mean, even I'd visit your office and you'd have like staff lunch and you know, you know, everyone like office lunch and no one we talk about you know, school lunches and stuff like that. I thought talk about staff lunches. I mean, you know, you, you take it for granted when you work there that you get lunch, but when you work at Olympia Provisions, they provide you food and it's really delicious. Oh, so lucky. <laughs> you know, it's I I've gone to battle for it many times, like we shouldn't take it for granted that we live in this beautiful food world and people come to work with us in our meat plant that may not have the opportunities to eat these amazing things that we get to do. And so it's just, I just think it's so important to show people that we are in the food world and you get this opportunity to sit down and maybe try, you know, things that you've never had and experience what a delicious arugula salad does, and right. tomatoes that are in season and all the crazy stuff we get to eat. So yeah, and it's just in me. It's the time where everybody really gets to relate in our company is sit down and have a nice staff lunch. It's, it's just- yeah, People talk about work perks at like Google and places like that. And I'm like, hey, have you seen the staff lunch at OP? And they're like four o'clock, there's always a char charcuterie board coming out or, so, or a new product to taste, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you want cured, yeah, cured meats are just like the byproduct. You get it. You can, there's so many salamis and sausages floating around. That's not even the, the lunch part, but I love it. I love it so much because, you know, we have a lot of younger people that are working there and being in sanitation or just getting their foot in the door and you forget how hungry they get. Like I watched this, this gentleman yesterday eat two sticks of salami just straight in a sitting and I'm like, God, I wish I could do that. That's like, those are the days. <laughs> Here we are. We had like six coins of salami with the little yeah. and they're like, <laughs> that's great. You it's know, so and it's good. It's like protein packed. I know that uh, you, uh, the, your little your pepperettes, which are I love the packaging of the pe pepperettes, but they're like uh, your version of like a fancy pepperoni stick. Yeah. <laughs> Perfectly yeah. Uh, portable. Yeah. These kinds of shelf stable things. Totally. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Jess just walked in, but yeah, that's it's it's my version of a. Uh, sorry. Oh, there are the dogs. <laughs> Who let the dogs in? <laughs> you talking about the Hi guys. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, it's my version of a slim jim. Is the yeah. pepperettes? Uh, you know, a little smoked, beautiful pork done that's shelf stable. I take them in my backpack everywhere hunting and 
fishing and so on. You know, in my original business model, this is a true story. Like when I first wrote, like, what is your business model? I wrote this little story of like, it would be amazing one day to be like floating down the Deschutes River and seeing somebody eating a chorizo out on the river and being in like an Olympia provision. And true freaking story, two years ago, we were bird hunting on the on the John Day in the middle of the Painted Hills. So middle uh-huh. of Nohu. And I turned a corner and there was a stillhead fisherman in the river and I happened to have pepperettes in my pocket and I pulled out a pepperette and I was like, would you like these? And he's like, I have Olympia provisions in my backpack. And I was like, okay, I can retire. I did it. Like, finally. (laughs) You've reached your pinnacle of success there. There's somebody still heading in the painted hills. Oh, that's great. Olympia provisions, but yeah. Well, I mean, I, I you are a fantastic cook. I mean, I've had several things that you've made. Um, I think people forget that you actually, um, you know, cook food too. They, they, you don't just make product. You actually really, I've learned a lot of things by watching you cook over the years. And just even, I think people get so excited when they get your products, they don't read the packaging, but I'm a packaging person. So I read the whole package and there's a lot of helpful tips on there. You know, it's like, um, like I didn't realize for, I didn't realize until uh, I read the package for your breakfast uh, sausages, like the procedure. Like, I don't think people, like, can you tell us the best way to cook the breakfast sausage? Oh gosh, breakfast sausage is a ti- is is a tricky one, but for most sausages, I oh boy, I really need to do a video, Judy. I mean, need to we, we, gotta, we, gotta, we gotta bring it back. I've just had to crisp up and enjoy a fresh sausage. I t- some people that cook take it so for granted that it should be slow and low mm-hmm. and crisp up the outside and make sure the outside of the casing is crunchy to enjoy it at its ultimate. And to do that on a larger sausage to quickly simmer it so the middle gets warm and crisping up the outside but th- those types of things that we, we take for, for granted it's no the nuance of that because i think people just think uh, i'm gonna just heat it in a hot pan you know sear it and then it's like the they either explode you know because you got yeah. your natural casing so they then all the juices run out and that kind of thing exactly. or, or the temperature's not right but but yeah, yeah the whole idea of having watched you and eric cook is like that you get that slow you know, either it's simmer or you or you cook it slowly so that you get that really nice snap of that casing. You know, exactly. Make sure the middle is warm. You know, it, if it, you don't want a mid-rare sausage, that's just the, yeah. that you don't want a crispy outside and cold middle. And uh, the only way to do that is to, to do it really, really slow, indirect heat and crisp it up. And that's mm-hmm. the way. Um, that's the only way to really do it. If you try to rush it, it's going to blow up. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's no way I can. I can make a lot of tricks with meat, but I'm not, I don't know how to crack that one. Get the right. middle and the casing not break on the outside. That's just not going to happen. Slow right. and low, indirect heats. That's the way to go for sure. That's the way to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you don't just do meat. So you can obviously Olympia provisions are whole line, the whole line of pickles, which yeah. some people don't realize. And then I used to say, Oh, they had the pickle division. And so people would go, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. There's a pickle division. Know, <laughs> it just true. sounds fun like there's a pickle division. I was like, well, it's a perfect compliment to, you know, the things that you're making. So let's talk about that pickle division. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, hard to believe, but our number one seller at our restaurant are charcuterie boards. It's like what you would come in and eat. And I fully understand that. But to have that many charcuterie boards, you have to have that many delicious pickles. And forever at our restaurants, I would say at least 10 times the service, somebody would be like, can we please buy pickles to go? Oh, yeah. And as the deli and us being entrepreneurs and being like, yes, absolutely, you can have those pickles to go. <laughs> but slowly but surely turned into, you know, a, a 
a few person oh, employees. Like, and now, yeah, now it's you know everything in bulk and the Italy's just pick Italy, all the Italy's in America just uh-huh. picked up the pickle line as well. You know, yeah. nationwide is taking the sauerkraut that is fermented naturally and mm-hmm. having it from Oktoberfest. So yeah, we're 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 pickle producers. It's yeah. in the plant now and it's it's really fun. So it's it's Portland. You can pickle that, right? Is yeah, that expression <laughs> a little vinegar and voila no yeah it's it's an art in its own and it's it's also really added to what i was saying that my meat plant is a kitchen when you walk in there now and you see stacks of beautiful farmer direct you know produce that is getting pickled as well and it's 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 just a unique place but yeah the pickles super delicious i'm so happy people are recognizing that pickles not all pickles are created equally that they're you know can charge a little bit more for an organic vegetable that is with fresh spices and fermented and so on and so forth as well yeah you know. yeah they're super delicious i'm a big fan and i think for that's when people like vegetarians are like See, there's something for everybody. <laughs> you know, the, the restaurants have amazing um, vegetables and the better chefs. I feel I always feel so bad for Katie and Eric and the chefs that work there because they do do so much with the farmers and the produce and to have a full service restaurant with an amazing wine program and so on. The, the vegetables are always the sneakers. Yeah, they're the most right. delicious salads. And, you know, it's it's. Delicious. That's true. You go to Olympia, any of the Olympia Provisions restaurants, um, order anything with the vegetables because you would be kind of blown away by how special, how much care is put into the preparation of the vegetable dishes. I mean, it's a given with the meats, right? You know what you, you know, they're going to be great. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I've taken a full on vegetarians to Olympia Provisions and ha- they've had fantastic meals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's like from us in the meat plant that dine there so much. Michelle, me, Nate, Marty, Josh, Paul, everybody is we eat so much meat daily we go to our restaurants we eat so much of the vegetarian food and of course professionally vegetables recreationally (laughs) and and if if there's one more plug for my restaurants that i think uh is uh jessica rose harris wine her wine lists that are just so the most crave worthy and beautiful (laughs) and yeah it's a good place to drink wine it's it's i i i enjoy it maybe too very well curated wine list and very expert um staff very i mean expert in the but super friendly and approachable like you don't need to be a wine snob like you they come in you you just ask them what they want i mean it's the first time i ever had orange wine was um yeah we were just talking about orange wine last uh episode Yeah, no, Jeff has always had that amazing, we've always talked about it, where it doesn't, it, you have to take the snob out of it, but you still have to make it special, and it's such a daunting world wine, and, and if you're not surrounded by it, it could it just seems so odd, and to get people comfortable and trying and experience delicious wine um, for what it is, it's, it's like, the most exciting thing and the service staff knows it it's every walk of life that has become into our restaurant as servers it falls in love with wine one way or the other because it surrounds us and it's an exciting right. no, yeah. you make it approachable and there's no like dumb questions or anything like that. it goes perfect with your food too totally yes well, are you um are you harvesting like when do you harvest in the fall right uh, the grapes are great yeah. uh yeah she is right now in like uh, just mending them and pruning them like crazy and tying them up, but it looks gorgeous. The fruit set this year on our grapes is ridiculous. I don't. We're gonna have a bumper crop. This has been a weird, dry and hot year, but whatever it's doing for the grapes, as long as Oregon doesn't light on fire this year and it doesn't uh-huh. get all smoky, it's gonna be an amazing harvest. 
What did I have that you made that was so good? It was like it was a it was one of your sausages with something creamy, like um, and then it had like this grape, like sauce on it. Was it yeah. for? Feast? Uh, I did do that for feast. I remember. Uh, Yes, because it was harvest and it was our Pinot correct. We took elk and pork fat with Brad and we made sausages and we poached them in uh, our grapes. And then we and then we had celery root puree. So you had elk and wild oh, pork. Oh, I love them. It's very tradition to put during that time of year, the halfway fermented grapes, when they start mm-hmm. to just get a little bit of sweetness, but have started to turn the magic of fermentation to take some of it and poach sausages in it because it makes this just off sour, bright um, sauce naturally. Yeah, it's a- right. I love that dish because it was like savory, creamy, warm, had a sweet element to it, but it was it was so good. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, sometimes I go down to random holes of like, yeah, we'll feed people elk pork sausages poached in halfway fermented wine. They're going to love this. <laughs> Good to hear that you liked it. Well, I, I loved it. I'm still thinking about it. And, um, you know, speaking of cooking, like, do you have a favorite kitchen tool or equipment or anything like that? I cannot cook without – I'm a big ricer fan. I think oh, I, I think I think I use I think I use a ricer more than more people for texture, um, <laughs> and then a good a good sieve. It's amazing what you can get what away with. Like, ricer? what do you use a rice for besides potatoes? Uh, <laughs> I do through, like turnips right now, for example. Oh, okay. If I'm trying to get like a good pureed feel, and I'm this time of year, I use an ungodly amount of turnips because it grows <laughs> up until now. So we'll steam them and roast them and get them out, and then we'll press them, and it just helps with all the textures of anything right. you need. Anything that you need a mash, uh, yeah. big fan. And then I sieve pretty much everything. I don't yeah. know, like it just makes a smoother, better texture. Mm-hmm. You can a of course with soups, but sauces right. and so on and so forth. Those are probably my two biggest. Yeah, so those are good ones. I mean, I remember um, when I first discovered the potato ricer, I gave everyone, all the key people in my life, uh, one for Christmas. <laughs> they're yeah. like, what is this? It's like a giant, giant garlic press. I was yeah. like, thank me later. Like, yeah, exactly. I didn't realize how much you needed this in your life until you, you, you use it. And then you'd be like, my mashed potatoes are just so much better. <laughs> yeah. Everything, it's, so, it's the easiest trick to make most delicious. Just try to make potato gnocchi right now with it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, totally. That would be it. What about you? I got to know yours because you're the, you're, I, what is your ultimate? What is um, yours? You know, I, well, I, I told somebody the, the other day that my, my favorite little, little tool is just the, a small offset spatula. One of those small ones mm-hmm. that like, you know, just have a little bend to them. Mm-hmm. I use it for everything that you don't think that you would use it for. Anytime I have to spread anything of any kind, I use that. And I have a, like a dozen of them. Um, yeah. I have the ones with the plastic handle, but then I had the wood ones, but then, you know, at our house, no one pays attention. They put all the wood in the dishwasher, which they're not supposed to do. And then, so, you know, what Gregor did was he shellacked all the handles for me. <laughs> yeah. See, go get it, Gregor. Get on him. Of course, you take it to the top, throw some slack on there. Voila. Genius. He, he made it waterproof. He, he didn't want it. He didn't want it. Actually, you probably didn't want to hear me uh, um, yell at him anymore for putting wooden handles in the dishwasher. Well, I'm just going to slack them so she, I can put them all in the dishwasher. But, Love it. Heck yeah. That's awesome. I turn, I turn things, I mean, flip things that are way bigger than what you're supposed to be using a little tiny spatula for, but yeah, I feel like yeah. it's an extension of my hand. It so is I, way I, more I, delicate. That's sweet. That's a great one. But I use it all the time too. You're right. I use mine all the time. Yeah, I love it. And the, people who don't like have one, um, 
like again it's like it's such a like you get dollar 95 kind of thing that it just really can change your life <laughs> yeah you can afford it and it'll make your life way better those are the good ones <laughs> right so what are you um what are you looking forward to uh in your garden anything that's coming up oh let's think um you know, I'm going to have our first bumper crop of fava beans this weekend. And oh. Jess and I, like, we, we always make roasted lamb rack with peas, favas, mint, and spring onion, like the classic, mm-hmm. classic, classic dish. Um, and I think this weekend it'll be, you know, and I, and I like favas when I get to eat way too many of them. When there's, like, a mountain of fava bean, perfectly cooked salads. Um, and so, yeah. I'm stuck this weekend. <laughs> you know, that sounds amazing. I hope you take a video of it and put it on your Instagram so we can see. <laughs> I'll you. I will do it. Done. Consider it done. Okay. All right. Well, um, I know you're going to have a great summer because you always do. It always looks so fun where um, you're basically living that life and keep on doing that. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so stoked you did. It's so nice to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. This is episode eight of food people are the best people. And you certainly are one of the best people for sure. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Be sure to visit olympiaprovisions.com, shop their products, look for them at all your specialty grocery stores, follow them on Instagram, give them some meat love because they deserve it. Oh, thank you. Thanks, everybody.